In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be reviewing the horrific performance and draw against Genoa. We'll be previewing the Coppa Italia derby first leg against Milan, the Salernitana game, this week's Moji, Moratti and Frog, and much, much more everything here on Studio Inter. Only on Sempre Inter. Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. It's not a new week because we're recording this on a Saturday. We recorded the last episode on a Monday because Inter play again on Tuesday against AC Milan. But before we get into all of that, uh, let me begin by introducing my, my panelists, starting with the f- uh, feature writer who writes for Semper Inter every week, what we learned from Inter this week, Mr. Jake Smalley. I'm really looking forward to your to your piece, which I haven't read. Um, you haven't written it yet, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I was going to say I've not finished it yet. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've got I've got I've got like spyware on your computer, Jake. <laughs> no, I, I haven't read it, but I am looking forward to it. But I do have a feeling. I think I I think I do have a feeling what it's going to say. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be fun. <laughs> well, actually, it's, they're always so very well written. Um, so so I know a lot of people like them. So yeah. <laughs> Keep it doing. You, you know, the thing, that's the thing, though. I mean, as, as, as our second guest can tell you, because he's an excellent feature writer as well, um, you know, as long as you keep it honest and it researched and well-written, it doesn't really matter what, like, the tone, like, the, the, whether it's positive or negative, right? And and with that, would you agree with that, Mr. Mike Pellucci? And I'm, and I'm just going to say Texas, because I always get Houston and Dallas mixed up. So <laughs> I'm afraid. I, I know where you live, but every time we record, I get confused. I think it's one of those mental glitches. It's, you know it happens, yeah. And I would, I would, I would say that's sound journalism advice right there, Nima. Yeah, you, you gotta, you gotta bring your your best writing. You gotta bring your best facts. You gotta tell an honest story, and wherever yeah. it goes, it's wherever it goes. And I, Jake does that every week. I think we we know Jake's gonna do what he always does. Exactly, exactly. So let's start is that with a this. You, or... It is, it is a compliment. It's, it's, it's a compliment, but it's an honest compliment. I think that's kind of where we're gonna be. It's gonna be a lot of honesty um, in this one because. Um, not just because Mo couldn't be here because he 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 really wanted to be here, uh, but he had a thing uh, like a family thing that happened. Not nothing horrible, just a positive thing. Just forgot about being invited to a nice. Mr. Positivity, event. he's got too much positivity in his life. <laughs> podcast this week. No, he wanted to do it, but because he was invited to, he forgot that he was invited to a thing, and and he said, "I can still do it, but then I'd have to run in and out of like from a from a quiet room." And and I'm like, "No, dude, it's a Saturday. Go go yeah. be with your go be with your." <laughs> family like it's okay we'll survive such dedication yeah he is unbelievable um there's no doubt about that but no in, in all seriousness i'm actually not that upset um well not that i'm not really? upset no i'm not that negative and i'll tell you i'm gonna i'm gonna explain why because i think this was a little bit rock bottom um i think we hit rock bottom and i mean let, let's start there i think we really really hit rock bottom um um uh it's uh i think genoa was uh look i think a lot of these things are about um confidence uh, it's it's a combination of many many things it's a combination of confidence being low the team team as a whole and in key individual players being out of form the coach being also out of form uh, making the wrong mistakes and the wrong choices in the wrong games um, he's he, where he's a little bit under pressure and under stress, 
And I think that what we saw against Genoa and Sassuolo are pretty much that what it is. And also the fact that a lot of teams have learned how to play. I think there are structural problems in this Inter squad, which I have been saying since the summer. And when you add all of these things together, it's like one ill deed you know, deserves another. And it becomes accumulative. And when you have... When you're out of form individually and as a unit, you, your confidence isn't high, you're second-guessing yourself, everyone's a little bit on edge, it doesn't flow as naturally, teams are learning to play against you. It's like one thing leads to another and you end up what you saw against Genoa. Um, so that's where I am a little bit with that. Um, I mean, in terms of that, but where we go from that, I mean, let, let's start with the Genoa game. Um because I I think that uh, personally I think the, the what what he got wrong in Zaghi in the Sassolo game is similarly like a mirror of that what he got wrong in the Genoa game even though the result was one is a draw and one is uh, was a defeat and what I mean by that is if you're going to play Roberto Gagliardini and Alexis Sanchez you do them you 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 play or Lautaro Martinez you're going to rest one. You play Roberto Gagliardini against Genoa and you play Lautaro Martinez against Genoa. You play Alexis Sanchez against Sassuolo and you don't start with Roberto Gagliardini against a, a, a Sassuolo side who are so good in midfield and are good in breaking transition and in winning the ball high up and hurting you. I think these are things that Simone got wrong in terms of personnel and tactics. And of course, we all know that Inter can't score goals, 53, 53 shots. The last 53 shots have not a single one has not gone into goal, has gone in goal. I mean, that that, that is also that's that's a structural issue. Um, but I I felt that yesterday was a step forward in the sense that the team hit rock bottom and managed to kind of work them, build themselves upwards, because I thought towards the end of the game. They looked a little bit more like they used to. Um, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts, uh, uh, Mike? I mean, I would also add, if we're talking about the the compounding factors for why this has gone, you know, why they've looked as bad as it looked, I, I think fatigue. I mean, they've played a lot of matches, and we are just now getting to the soft part of the schedule. The, from January, from the new year onward, it's been rough, right? And this is why, and you know, maybe this is not a conversation for this podcast, but this is sort of why I vehemently, they're not going to do it, but if I were them, I would just start all the reserves against Liverpool in the away leg. Just give it up. It's not happening. They're not going through rest of these players worry about what's happening in Italy. I would say, you know, to build off of that, if, you know, to me, what I noticed yesterday, and we saw a bit of this against the Swallow, we saw a little bit of this against Milan, but really yesterday, because uh, I don't think this match yesterday, like the last two against domestic opponents, this wasn't a keeper bailing out the opposing team. Inter didn't really test Sirigu in a way that they did, you know, the way that Mignon and Consigli just made some incredible saves. What we saw yesterday, and what was the number, Nima? 20 shots that didn't go in was uh, was the final number. Um, the trend that I think we've seen in the last few weeks that is concerning to me is, yeah, they're not clinical, right? We knew this even when they were atop the table, even in you know, the first stretch of the season before the new year. They weren't clinical then, but what they were was much better at creating high probability chances that even when they flubbed a few, you knew it wouldn't really matter in the end. What... I think we've seen more over the last month, and it really came, you know, to bear yesterday. Was 
they're not creating enough easy chances, particularly in the middle of the pitch. They look to me a lot like what Conte Center looked like before he put Erickson back in the starting lineup, where it was nobody could do anything through the middle of the pitch. So let's just spam crosses or, and this is something that this Inter has gotten to a really bad habit of in the last month. So many guys are trying the low probability long ball shots. And I get it because, you know, you have a few guys like a uh, Barella hits one every now and then Chalanoglu is really good at them, but it's a mark of frustration. They cannot break down a defense right now. And if you think about why it makes sense, you know, it's not just that they don't have clinical finishers. We've known that, but who do they really have that individually can take on defenses consistently? Well, with the formula Taros, and it's not him. Uh, with Alexis Sanchez playing 90 minutes, I don't think it's consistently him because I think we know, even if Alexis Sanchez doesn't want to admit it, Alexis Sanchez's best role by far is to be the guy in the last third of the match who comes off the bench and wreaks havoc. When those guys aren't playing, when Lotaro's not in form, when Alexis is asked to play 90 minutes, and you're leaning on a strike force of a 36-year-old Njeko and a 33-year-old Alexis Sanchez, that's not great. Um so to me, I'm with you that there are some mental and intangible things that can improve and I think will improve, but something personnel or tactically needs to change too. And I have an idea of what that is. You know, we could talk mm. about that now or we could talk, you know, we could let I you I want to talk about that now. I am so glad you brought that up because I have some ideas of my own. I want you to go first. I'm, uh, I'm going to pause here to let our pal Uncle Sharma the great Rahul Sharma, strap in because he's going to love what I'm about to say. And I didn't think oh I'd be getting God. here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> listen, Joaquin Correa can help this team. Uh, God, I knew you were going to say that. But okay, but think about it. Oh, God. But he, fellas, hear me out here. Joaquin Correa is not going to solve the goal scoring problem, right? We know that. That's that's a done issue. <laughs> I've got news for anybody listening to this podcast. If you think that any of these players are suddenly going to turn clinical a la Lukaku or Icardi, the way that we've been spoiled for the last eight plus years, it's not happening on this team. Yeah. That's going to have to come next year. But what Joaquin Correa does, and I will fully admit he has to play a damn sight better than he did so far this season, right? We need a lot more of Lazio Correa than we've seen at Inter Correa. But what Correa does is he can create with the ball at his feet. He can bend a defense in that they have to account for him, and he's unpredictable. Those are elements that can at least create some room and some easier chances in the box, as opposed to just Ivan Perisic do something or trying time and again, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, for the midfield to make a pass from deeper in. Not only that, but we, you yourself have talked about this before, Nima. Yeah. Although it looks like he's a little more comfortable when Correa yeah. is on the pitch. Yeah, and so, the reason for that is the balance, that when, when Correa right. plays, it's a 3-5-1-1, one, one, and that means that you cover pretty much all, all, all areas of the pitch, and Joaquin Correa's position between the lines allows for Chalanoglu to, to to kind of he gets more space and time on the ball um and he looks more the, the team looks balanced both defensively and going forward um and and i think that's a really good point i i was going to suggest the three five one one as well i just don't think that korea is going to play that much of a of an imp have that much of an impact because i don't think he's going to be fit enough i mean he well, that, yeah, I mean, that injury that injury is going to take i mean even if he's fit it'll take what another two weeks for him to be fully fully match fit um, I don't but, see I mean, him. you know, if you look at, at least in the league, right, and we'll get to Salernitana, but that's a match that, God help me, if they don't take three points then, then we might as well just forget about the league. But you're not going to yeah. need him for that, you know. You, he, they can buy two weeks' worth of time to get him back on the pitch. Let's put it that way. Yeah. 
No, no, I agree with him. I mean, he has to be. He has to be ready for the for the Torino and Fiorentina games. Um, yeah, but those are the games he has to be. And, and as for the Liverpool thing, and we're going to talk about that next week. But I wouldn't. I can't imagine anyone would disagree with that. I'd send the Primavera. Like <laughs> I'd literally. But send will the they actually do it? I mean, I don't know. I, well, we can talk about that next week. But my point is just simply that I think fatigue has played a role. I, this Inter just suddenly did not get bad, right? I, there will be better at days ahead. But it would be naive also to simply throw you know just to keep what's the definition of insanity right it's it's uh yeah. repeating the, the same process and expecting different results something's got to change and if joaquin correa is an idea that you at least throw in the rotation to change things up so much the better because he can do some things that this team has been sorely lacking well the thing is and i'm gonna i'm gonna ask jake as well um, i just want to say my idea of the three five one one would be to play would be to work robin gosens into this team and play Robin, play Ivan Perisic in a free role, number 10 role behind Dzeko or Lautaro with Celanoglu in midfield, or play a 3 5 1 1 before Gosens comes in with Perisic on the wing, but Celanoglu in the number 10 role and play Barella, Vibrozovic, and either Vidal or Vecino or, or, or even Gagliardini. To, to give that defensive solidity that, that I feel the team has been lacking. But I play Chalanoglu in that number 10 role. I, I think 3-5-1-1 is the way forward. Now, however you form formate that, I'm, you know, I'm open. I mean, whether it's Gorsens to the left and Perisic in, a, in that free roaming role, um, which he does excellently, or if it's Correa or if it's Chalanoglu, that, that's, you know, I, I, I'm prepared to let... Um, Simone, do that, you know, experiment with that. But I think... I don't, ask, I don't think it has to be... I don't even think it has to be an every match thing. I just think it has to be a card that you play just to show that you're not predictable doing the same thing. Because yeah. the yeah. biggest thing the first half of the season was that this Inter looked so much less predictable than what Conte would do. Conte's Inter were so efficient and so great at what they did, it didn't matter. But... Yeah the way they played the ball and the way they moved it, they were so unpredictable and they felt stagnant for a solid month. So to me, it's not, you know, I I'm with you throw the three, five, one, one out there. I don't think it has to be every week. No. I just think you do it enough that, you know, shake things up, leave opposing managers wondering what you're doing. And it just, it's another option because right now they seem like they're out of ideas. Yeah, exactly. Agree. I agree with that. What about you, Jake? I mean, well, let's start with the Genoa. I mean, first of all, no, actually, what do you think about what, what me and, Mike, what Mike and I are saying, um, and then, you know, segue into your thoughts on the Genoa game. I kind of agree with the 3-5-1-1 until you mentioned uh, Vidal and Gagliardini because that just absolutely frightens me. When Vidal came on yesterday, he, <laughs> he looked like he was lost, like he'd never played football in his life before. So um, I, I was thinking about this last night. and What I noticed a lot during the first half of the game is you had both attackers, Sanchez and Dzeko, dropping really deep to pick the ball up, giving no focal point in attack whatsoever. So when it came to interaction getting into the box, you've nobody on that penalty spot sort of region. If you're playing with wing-backs, especially Robin Gosens and Dumfries even more so, if you're going to create chances, they're going to come from those wing-back slots getting into the box. So playing that sort of one player behind the main striker, Perisic, I think, will be excellent for this role. Stefano Sensi might have been good for this role, perhaps as well. We know we don't have him till the end of the season. So 
I think don't, issue... don't you, listen. You can't listen. You cannot for until the end of the season. We do not mention his name because that is just like that is <laughs> too like much my too yeah much that, yeah that that is my red red button because we had that debate and I I it's pointless because he's not here and I I think we will rue that. But I hope I'm wrong. So please don't say the s word until the end of the season. <laughs> no, I think I think looking at it as well in that role. I hear what you say about Charnoglu, but Charnoglu for me since the turn of the year has been nowhere near at the same level of what he was prior to Christmas. That's not me being overly critical. I'm not saying it's criticising. That's just facts. So having Correa back and being able to play him behind that striker or is another option too. My, but like I'm saying, watching that game yesterday, is the issue is into not being able to get into the box and create clear-cut chances. I was surprised when I finished watching the game and looked at the stats and saw how many shots they'd had because maybe bar D'Ambrosio's header, and I, I couldn't really think of a great chance as such that Inter had really had. Against Sassuoli, had Lotaro when he put it just wide, but they're not getting to the byline getting the ball into the box, having loads of shots on goal, making the keeper make loads of saves. I mean, in, in this, well, in the Friday's game, more more concentrated, because I suppose Consuli did make quite a lot of good saves for Sassuolo, but it, 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 the way they play isn't fluid. I think that's what I'm trying to say. I'm going a long way about saying this, but I think fluidity is what they're missing, and I think you could definitely make a case for dropping an attack a little bit further back. But it would have to mean you play Dzeko, I think, rather than Lotaro Martinez. Well, you see, that's my second thing I wanted to get to. I think the way forward now is to play Dzeko because his movement alone, and if you're going to play a 3-5-1-1, you're going to need runs from deep from midfielders like Barella, like Chalanoglu, like um, whoever, Perisic, whoever, whoever you play in that system, you're going to need runs in from deep. And also the wingbacks. One thing we shouldn't forget is Gossens and Dumfries and how good they are in the air and full, you know, becoming, you know, striker stats in terms of how big they are and holding up the ball and, 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 and finishing in terms of, you know, heading the ball and, and stuff like that. So I think, I, I, I think that is the way forward. Um, absolutely. I think fluidity, but three, five, one, one, because exactly like Mike said, it makes Inter unpredictable again. And the way that Inter have been unpredictable is that they've been overloading the wings with with Dumfries and Perisic, who's just outstanding. Probably been Inter's most consistent performer this season, if we're perfectly honest. Um, so him it's, or it's, right? yeah, him, wanna... yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean, he's looking Brozovic is looking a little bit out of form as well. Sure. I guess and, you could maybe put Skriniar in the conversation as well. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, the, the amount that they are leaning on 33-year-old Ivan Perisic at left wing back to save them the last month really tells you everything you need to know. And that's no indictment on Perisic. It's just nobody else is playing to his level, and there are certainly enough talented players who could. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Right. No, so so no, and, I, and I think that's a really good point. Um, but, I mean, for me, look, even if Napoli win, they which against Lazio is far from you know, a foregone conclusion. I think a draw could have pretty much happened. And I think, you know, Lazio can pro probably end up winning that game even because, the, the, you know, they're so they're so up and down. Um, but it's going to be interesting. But even if Napoli win that game, um, I don't think it matters to the, to the title race because I think if you look at it, um, it all looks the same. Like, it all... 
Like, they still have a game in hand. They have everything. They're the masters of their own destiny. And they need to start winning these games now. They need to start winning against Salernitana. They need, they need you know, starting against, you know, Salernitana and Torino and Fiorentina, you know, all of that is great. But I think the key is our next talking point. And that is, and I said it a couple of weeks ago, I think this is what these two Coppa Italia ties will decide the 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 fate of the season in the Serie A for both of these teams because the impact the derby has psychologically and mentally cannot be understated and that's that that's why I think so I think I want to go into the preview now of of that derby um it's it's an important game I think that's where I want to see Simone Inzaghi show that he is a young coach. He lacks. He he is an up and coming co- coach. He's young, but he can bounce back from a difficult period. And I want to see that against Milan. It's so so important. Um, uh, I want to see the three five one one. I want to see him. I mean, there's talk of Gorsons coming in. I would start with him immediately. Like, do something different because this is now not working. And although you're playing a Milan, who are to be honest, if we're talking form. They're pretty awful. I mean, they you know beating Inter was was hardly down. Yeah, that was pretty much Inter's fault. Inter lost more than Milan yeah. won, and I'm not taking anything away from Milan. They won fair and square. So that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that the way that Inter dominated. That's when all of this the rut really started and the insecurities really started. And I think that you could put an end to that by a dominant, calm, controlled performance. What do you think? No, I, I'm I'm with you, and I mean, look, I'm. Take this with a grain of salt. I am the person who, when we did our preseason prediction, I picked Milan not to make top four. I'm going to be yeah. wrong, obviously, about that. But I just, all year long, I look at that team and I just, I don't get it. Like, I get that they are very good. They are among the better teams in that league. But who? how many players on that side after Mike Maidian, which is, I mean, obvious, how many players on that side start for Inter? Mm. I mean, it, it's and it, it, some of that is because you know their midfield is their strength, and Inter's midfield is just better. I mean, it isn't to say that Sandro Tonali or Kessier or Benes are not very good players. They are. I mean, you're talking about maybe what uh, Leal probably starts for Inter, right? They have a retread coach who has never won anything he's ever ever he's ever been anywhere. Zlatan Ibrahimovic's body is finally catching up to him, and he can't play anymore. That team's not that good. That team is not as good as Inter is. They're just not. And the last derby, yeah, they won. They won because Inter handed it to them. Inter were the better team for most of the match. Milan had a hot stretch. They converted two of their three shots. One of those shouldn't have been a goal because Giroud committed an obvious foul. Inter let him off the hook. I keep looking at this team. It is the same thing that I saw in the first derby too. And I'm like, how are Inter not beating them? So if you're asking me to preview this match, at some point, because I do think Inter are the best top-to-bottom team in this league. They do have pedigree of winning last year. I do believe that even if they don't change as much as we want them to change, there will be some natural regression because they're not this bad. And even when their shots are not ideal, they're not going to miss all of them. I just look and I'm like, I cannot see Inter continuing to lose to this team that they're better than. But I do agree with you on this team. If they lose, definitely they lose both of these ties. But even if they lose one, that ain't good. You don't want to give this Milan side any emotional gas because they're going to need emotional gas. They're not the most talented team. I don't even think they're the second most talented team. I think Napoli's more talented than they are. So they need everything to go right, and they need to be mentally on point if they're going to win the league. And Inter cannot let them do that. And if they don't let them do that, and if Inter do go through like they should, 
I mean, that could that could be the nail in Milan's coffin. Milan should not be winning the league this year. If they have, it means that two other teams screwed up. I'm sorry, but that is how I feel. No, I agree. I, I agree. I think I, I think that Milan have regressed, regressed this season to, to last compared to last. But they're I think, less talented the last year, right? They weren't they weren't better than Inter last year, and they're less talented. And Inter's less talented too, but Yeah, yeah. I mean that's, that Milan that's what team wasn't that's exactly what it becomes, um, that everyone has taken a little bit of a step back, except for Napoli, who've taken a giant leap forward. Um, but, and they but have ha- another manager who, you know, bless Luciano yeah. Spalletti, we all love him, think of him fondly because he did what he was supposed to do Inter. He's never won anything either, no. right? Like, yeah. so, no, 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 I'm with you. No, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. But it, it, is, an interesting, it is an interesting discussion, um, for sure. And, I, and I, what I want to see, and, but before I go to that, I want to ask you, Jake, what were your thoughts going into the derby? I agree wholeheartedly what both of you have said. I think that it's an absolutely giant match for the rest of the season. Uh, I think you could see the confidence immediately after the derby in the game, post the derby for Milan. They they walked through that game. They felt like you know a million feet tall, even though they were poor. I said probably August time when we did the pod preview in the season, I, I don't think Milan are a great side. I think they're punching above their weight a little bit. And there is some frailties coming in, like Mike's just said, with his lads have not been able to play um, a lot of the games at the moment. I watched them on Friday and I thought they were terrible. Um, it, it will be a case of somebody enabling them to win the league if they do win it. I, I couldn't agree more. No, I, I, look, I don't see Milan as a, as, a, as a Scudetto candidate. And the reason for that is, is what I wanted to say is basically this. Look, they're a young side. I think they're one of the most exciting teams and projects in Europe, together with Arsenal, who I think are a really exciting team and young, hungry team that's coming up. Um, uh, the, the you know build, Building, uh, basically, for the future. But well, one of the things in that, that becomes a bit of a problem when you've got inexperienced young players it is that they lack that kind of cool and cynicism to win games like against Spezia, like against Sassuolo, like yesterday against Udinese. Um, these are they, they, they lack that killer instinct because they don't have the routine to fall back on. And when things aren't going their ways, they sulk, they get moody, they they start crying, you know, they start they start whinging and and complaining and and throwing tantrums because they're frustrated, right? They don't know how to control that frustration and turn it into concentration. And the more experience you have as a player, the better you become at doing that, and at at a and the better you are at doing that, the higher of a level of a player you are and, and the higher up you play usually. I mean, that's, that's just, you know, the, 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 the conventional wisdom um, of, of, of experience in football. And, and the reason why I, and this is why I don't think that Milan will win. I see more of that experience at Napoli and Inter and even to a certain extent Juve uh, than I see at Milan um, and even Atalanta. But I do think that Milan are absolutely good enough and have the talent. Uh, and I think Pioli is doing an absolutely fantastic job there to get them to finish in the top four. I don't see them winning the Scudetto. I think third or fourth is where I see them finishing up, but definitely in the top four. But having said that, to build on, to, to talk, you know, to, to kind of go more on into the nuts and bolts of the derby, this is going to be a, a situation where I think Pioli is going to, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if both of these teams approach this game a little bit cagey. Um, I, I don't know. I don't I don't expect any one of them to go out all guns blazing. I think it would be it would be silly of them to, of either coach to do that. I think this is one of those games where you cannot really afford to lose because of them the the 
the impact it will have psychologically. I mean, the derby is the derby. It's not even about the Coppa Italia. It's about the mental boost. We saw what it did for Milan when they beat them, when they won the derby. Um, and we saw what it did to Inter, giving them a, you know, pretty much throwing them into a crisis and a, and a, and a depression. Um, so the winter, the, the, the annual winter depression that comes every year, barring last season, last year, where we, we had a depression from September to, to December instead. But no, I, look, I, I think that this, I, I expect to see a cagey side. I expect Inter to want to control the game, but I, I'm, I'm not expecting them to kind of go out there and gung-ho dominate teams like Simon Inzaghi likes to do. What do you think, Jake? No, I couldn't agree more. <clears throat> I think he'll be concerned about losing the game. I think he knows the long-term effects of losing that game are just absolutely mind-bogglingly scary uh, if it ends up like that. I've just been looking at the fixture list and I, I look at it on a weekly basis, so I've no idea why I don't know it off by heart. But I think this sort of run of games over the next month or so, if Inter can navigate those, which will be easier than the month they just had as well, that final five or six games of the season are all really winnable games. So it, it's he, he, will, he will have that in the back of his mind, surely. You know, that if they can even get a nil-nil on Tuesday, that would be a success. Okay, that's one out of the way. We, we've not lost. We're no worse off. <clears throat> got Salonitana at home in the league. They're, they're looking a bit more plucky at the moment. They've had a decent transfer window, but they should still be a side that Inter can take care of. I, I'm still um, of the belief that if Inter had played Genoa at home, that it probably would have been a bit of an easier game as well. So... I think he knows that this season now has become about little periods. They've gone through what we knew this in August, that this section of the season, January, February, was going to be horribly tough. Yeah. yeah. And I think what comes next is if they can get anything positive, I'd be absolutely delighted with the draw from this game on Tuesday. Just to get it out of the way with a little bit and focus on the weekend, get a couple of nice league fixtures, get rid of Liverpool tie. I'd send... I don't know. I think I'd, I'd send a Primavera. I think uh, yes. I just completely sack I it. Couldn't, I couldn't care about Alexander the... Kolarov. This is your moment, my friend. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. Kolarov. Kolarov at Anfield. Are you mad? Yes, <laughs> let's go. We get the goals. Let's do it. <laughs> no, I, I, I couldn't care less about the Liverpool game, to be honest. I mean, for me, it's just get rid of it and don't get humiliated too much. Like, do you know what I mean? Like that—that's the kind of thing I'm, I'm thinking here. For me, for me, for me, there going into the Milan games, there are three things I want to see. I want to see them not concede a goal, which is a giant ask given who's in goal, um, and and the fact that he implodes every now and again. But the most important thing is, even if he were to implode, don't lose, don't lose your nerve, like focus, um, don't let it affect you, which is easier said than done, obviously. But for me, the most important thing is don't concede a goal and try to counter Milan. Don't Inter, I don't understand why Inter always have to retain possession. Why can't Inter learn how to counter-attack? We were brilliant at that under, under Conte. And, 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 and I understand that under Simone Inzaghi, we play a much more progressive side, but we don't know how to counter-attack anymore. And that's what I don't like. So I want to see these three things. I want to see... Defensive stability, don't concede, and I want to see him to be able to concede to, to counter attacks successfully. Mike? Well, so I, I'm with you on the first two. And the last one, the reason they don't counteract counterattack successfully is I mean, look, it's not like the Handanovic situation's gotten better. So you know he, you cannot win most matches in which you let the opposition fire a lot of shots. Mm. And the compounding difference between this season and last season is that 
you know, I'm not as down on Stefan de Vrij as you are, but I think it's absolutely fair to say that this isn't the Stefan de Vrij that we are used to. And last year under Conte, you knew that both systemically and how the formation was structured, how the players were designed to play, but also that even if de Vrij wasn't last year as good as the guy who won defender in the defender of the year in the league two years ago, he was still very good. Yeah. This year, I don't, I, I really do believe. You know, he just turned 30. I don't believe he's toast. I think he's in a bad run of form like a lot of guys. I think he'll be fine. But right now, you they cannot dependably count on him to clean up mistakes the way you had before. And if you don't, if you don't trust a 30-year back line, and particularly the guy standing right in front of the keeper who you don't trust at all, I don't blame them for playing possession ball and trying to hold it and play keep away and say if we get the counter, then we get the counter. I, I think that's the only way they can play for right now until – Next year comes and you know that you're going to get a big boost in net and then maybe even Bremer comes in for oh De Bruyne. Yeah. Oh my God, that is the key. People don't understand how key it is for Inter to get Bremer because they can play so much higher up the pitch, um, which can changes the complete balance of this team and it, it just it just suits how Inzaghi wants to play. I cannot stress that enough how important it is to get Bremer next season. I, just, I mean, look, I, even, even if they don't, I'm with you. I want him. I think he helps a lot. Even if they don't, it's incredible to me that I still see people saying that Andre Anana would not start up Samir Hadanovic because that's just that's nonsense. I love Samir. I'm under, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say anything bad about him, but it's really more. I don't think people get how big of a prospect Andre Anana is and how absurd it is that Inter have gotten him on a free. It's going to be so much better having a, a goalkeeper who can do goalkeeper things. Like that's well, not just that. Not just that. I mean, the fact that he's so good with his feet. He's a very technical player, and yeah, he's he quick. Goes yeah, yeah, he builds from the back and he's fast. Um, oh my he's, God, he's, I mean, he's a heck of an athlete. He's, yeah, he's, he's, he's an athlete. I think that that's exactly it. He's an athlete. Um, yeah. He's, you know, the, the re, when you play with a high line, you need your goalkeeper to be able to read the game and time his runs and be like a sweeper keeper. And he is that guy. And if you get Bremer on that as well, well, that is, that's a very good place to be. Like that, that, is a, that is an incredibly good place to be. And and I think that also helps because how Simone wants to play, uh, given how forward tilting he wants to be as a, as, as a team, these two are the most, you know, they will really help Inter next season. So I'm not as worried next season. Even oh, if next get, year's Inter will probably, it would be hard for next year's Inter not to be more talented than this year's. No. That is that is the reality. We can get there another time. I mean, yeah, right we'll now it's just... In regards to Milan, that's why I don't see them playing counterattacking style. I don't know if they trust the personnel enough to flip that mid-year. So I'm fine with them playing a possession style and just doing what they're doing. The key is just ideally they have to create, you know, I think part of what the issue is that when you have a week like this week, they they play possession and they will move the ball around. But this isn't like those Barcelona teams of 10 years ago where they'll sit there for an hour and pass it no, back and forth. No, and I'm glad they don't because I hate watching it. Yeah, but I what I, the, the drawback is that I don't think this team, I think they lose their nerve and their discipline sometimes that when they don't get, and we've seen this in the last month, when they don't get a look after a certain period of time, they just get frustrated and somebody just takes yeah. a cannon shot from outside the box and then they yeah. blow the possession and they start all over again. That has to stop. Like ideally you're creating better looks, but if nothing else, in a, especially in a match where you want to play KG, it has to be drilled in their heads. Do not waste shots. Do not waste possession. Keep finding another look because eventually if you do this long enough, the opposing team will get antsy playing in their own half so much and they will make, they will try to be aggressive and they will make mistakes. Yeah. And Inter are not letting teams do that right now. They're just content yeah. after a set period of time to say, screw it. Somebody takes an individual shot and thinks that they're more talented than the probabilities and more often than not, they aren't. And that has to end. Mm, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Which is why um, 
if I'm going to predict this game, I'm I'm going with a 1-0 steal. This is what I want to see. I want to see a 1-0 steal win for Inter. The away goal, clean sheet. That's what my heart is saying. But my head is saying a one all draw. Um, what about you, uh, Jake? You went a bit Mo Nassar on me there. I thought you were going to go <laughs> uber positive. Uh, I think we're going to go at best. Uh, I, I'd, I'd be really surprised if they don't concede a goal with the Skircroy between the sticks. I really feel like there's... Uh, it's going to be a tough game. I, I think 1-1, one, one, and I'm, I'm, I think I'd be quite optimistic there as well. Okay. What about you, uh, what about you uh, Mike? I mean, I, my heart says 2-1 Inter, but mm. it, I, I'm somebody who has doubted Milan all year long, and I keep being wrong, so I will stick with you guys with the 1-1 one, one draw. I don't think it's optimistic to to expect a draw. I, I Inter are better than that team. I, I yeah, something else. I'm going to be proven right by this, but Inter are better than that team. I don't know if they play like it this week, but I don't mm. think they're going to outright lose. No, no, I, I think that would be. I really don't think so either. I think going into the derby, I was really nervous uh, because I felt like because of the way that everyone was saying Inter are going to win, Inter are going to win, Inter are going to win, and, and and I thought so too. I, I was the overconfident person for sure. So you were you were right to be cagey there. So the fact that yeah. you are cautiously optimistic this time, yeah. I mean. Mo at his party right now is smiling. He can hear us. <laughs> he won't listen to this podcast, but somewhere he will, he's he having an aperitif and a big grin just crossed into space hearing what you just said. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Inshallah, inshallah. Right. Um, let's uh, let's move on to the Salernitana game. And this is, I don't care how good of a window they've had. They are a dreadful team. Uh, I don't care what anyone says. They are absolutely horrible. They are horrible. They are genuinely unwatchable. And and I tried, and I've tried watching them. It is not a nice team to watch. And it's at home at the San Siro. It's, I think, 50, 60, 50 or 75% capacity. You know, um, I, this is a team that should be dominating. I mean, they barely have anything. And if they if they come back, if they come from a good result in the derby, uh, I'm thinking they're going to, like, just completely demolish this side. 2-0, two, 2-3-0, two nil, two, nil, comfortable win is where I'm at. Is where I'm at. What, what, what do you think, Mike? Where are you on this? I was going to say 3-0. If, I mean, listen, if uh, we, I think we're all fairly measured, a little bummed about how they played, but I think fairly measured. Nobody's panicking. If they no. don't take three points next week, I'm going to I'm gonna panic a little bit, guys. Yeah. I'm going to panic. Yeah, next, next week is, look, if they don't beat Salernitana, that is that is panic. At home. At home. At because home. Then, then you're out of, you know, you don't have any extra chances then. Then you're chasing the league again, um, yeah. and it's yeah. not in your hands. And, and that's not a good place to be. Now, that's when I start panicking. But I, I do think, look, this team, for the things that all three of us have said, there are some extenuating circumstances. This team just didn't suddenly forget how to win. You know, no. they will. They, this is the sort of match that I feel like they'll take care of business. And, and and that's why I love what Jake said earlier about, like, if they just take a point, even just a point on Tuesday, they go into the weekend, they get a comfortable win at home. That gets a little momentum going. That gets a little, you know, you, you can breathe a little bit, right? Some of the pressure is off your shoulders because you know – psychologically, some of these guys are sitting there thinking, are we ever scoring a goal again? Because it just gets tiring after a yeah. while. No. So, you know, don't lose Tuesday, get three points, score a few goals on Saturday against a bad team, whatever. That will make everybody more calm going into that second leg. Yeah, no, I agreed. I mean, a win in the Derby and a win against Salernitana and everything is smooth sailing again. Yeah, then we're, you go, we're, we're all breathing. Then we're good. Yeah, we're all breathing. Yeah, exactly. Then you go into Liverpool and you just play off that game and then you've got you know, Torino, uh, and then a week until Fiorentina, then it's the international break. Uh, and that gives everyone a chance to regroup. So, no, it, it's, it, yeah, no, I'm totally with you. What about you, Jake? What, what are your thoughts going into Salernitana? 
I like the way you said that. It was very, uh, that was very nice. Um, I think if Inter are not able to beat a team at San Siro, they've got Milan Juric up front. I've seen play for Bristol City <laughs> in the second division of English football here, and he was absolute garbage for them, by the way. They they cast him aside, Bristol City. Uh, so I think it, it all depends on this game on Tuesday. It really does. I think mm-hmm. pressure will be put on this game. They don't want pressure on this game. Right? They, they want to just take whatever they can against Milan, get it out of the way, like I've said, and then face on it on. I think, right, we should have some players available to us to change things around. Uh, I, I was going to make this point probably about 10 minutes ago. And I, I was just sort of thinking about it. And, you know, we discussed last week about this idea that Inter have got a really big and really deep squad. But we've seen over the last week yeah. or so that the actual sort of second 11, so to speak, behind the players at start is really poor yeah. in terms of being able to replace players. So, you know, you think about the top sides in Europe and Inter are not on that level because they don't have the financial backing, yada, yada, yada. But when they have players who miss games, like Chelsea players who will lose form, they can swap in another player. People have said, you know, Inter have got a bit of depth in their squad. But you're talking about like Vidal, Galliardini. I thought Sanchez over the past week has been dreadful. And he's been OK this season, you know, but he's been dreadful. But you know, they're asking to do too much, you know, and that's that's really the one of the biggest things that can sink this team. You remember remember the first year they had Borja Valero, and yeah. Borja Valero that first I don't know two months of the year looked like really good, and you're sitting there going like, oh wow, they got him for free from Fiorentina. Maybe he's got some gas left in the tank, and then he cratered in the second half because they were they just asked too much. That's that's what I worry about a lot with Sanchez and with Jeco. Jekyll especially, because I don't see a world in which they don't depend on him for 90 minutes, two out of every three matches. But Sanchez, I really think if they can just get him back to that super sub role, as much as he'll complain about it, that is what's best for him. Right that now, they're just asking to do more than he can handle. I, I agree. I agree, definitely. That's a perfect role for him. And it would be ideal if that was the same for Jekyll, because I think over the last couple of weeks, he's looked really tired. And that's, you know, it's no fault of his own but not being able to replace him with a player of similar calibre. Because, you know, he, he threw Caicedo on last night and he, he's he's not on that level of Jekyll. I think yeah, to chuck him into the box and pump the ball in and help he nudge, nods one in and nudges one over the line, that's that's something. But I, I think it all, the result of the weekend, that, that fixture needs pressure off it. I, I agree with what you say, Mike, as well, with that goal. If he to score on Tuesday... That'll be really positive as well because that will be a weight off their back. If they can win that, I could see them being solid on a four or five nil, just absolutely destroying them. Yeah, I'm going to no, no. go, go with two nil just because I want to be yeah. uh, conservative. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. No, I mean in an ideal world, if I mean just just think uh, one of those, you know, um, Inter just had get this lucky break where they just completely run riot over Milan, three four nil, um, and 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 then they they you know. Then they go into Salernitana with their confidence up again, you know. That, that, then that becomes important to to kind of just win that game as well, just two three nil, just to see it off. Because then you have got Liverpool, and then you're out of there, um, and and then you've got you know Torino, which is and it's away, and that is a difficult game. Uh, that is a that is a trap game. Fiorentina at home, I expect to win simply because of how attacking minded Fiorentina are. But Torino away is is uh, is one that worries me. It really does, especially Ivan Juric, who anyone who follows me or listens to this pod, follows me on social media or listens to this pod uh, or the Italian football podcast knows that I have a bromance with this guy. 
I I'm on the record <laughs> saying that I if Simone Inzaghi leaves in the next one two years, I this is my replacement because I absolutely love the football he plays, defensively, attackingly, his 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 high pressing. I think he's he's completely won me over. Um, so yeah, no, right. Um, let's move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of, and criticize someone or something heavily in the world of football. Starting with the negativity, which we presented by uh, this week's Moji, which we presented by Mr. Mike Pilucci. So I don't know the exact timestamp, but we've crossed 40 minutes recording this podcast at this point. How many times we mentioned Lautaro Martinez's name? Yeah. Once? Mm. Twice? Mm. That is a massive, 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 massive problem. And before the year started, I said Inter's chances of repeating would come down to two players. Come down to how, Samir Handanovic and how much more regression he could stave off. It would come down to Lautaro Martinez and how much more he could elevate this team. And Samir has been what Samir is, and I've been of the mind, and Nima's been of the mind, that you can't blame a 37-year-old no. man for being old when the club won't replace him. <laughs> no, no, you can't. I'm sorry. That's not on Samir Donovich. You, <laughs> you can all get frustrated, <laughs> or you can just accept the fact that there should have been a contingency plan, and they didn't, and be happy that they have a good replacement next year. Yeah. But you can... And you should, and I am, be very frustrated that the 24-year-old starlet who got a massive extension to stay at this club has not taken any form of a step up. And it isn't because of a lack of effort. You know, this is a player who very obviously works as hard as he can every time out. And that's why it's painful to sit here and criticize somebody like Lotaro, who plenty of people, myself included, figured he'd be out the exit door after last summer and he didn't he signed a deal and he is staying and he does work very very hard but this is not close to good enough we have sat here for the last 40 minutes and said maybe the solution is a 33 year old wingback playing in the middle of the pitch we have said that maybe it's a 36 year old striker who has been brought in on a provisional fee Inter don't pay anything for him until they make the Champions League next year. That this has to be the guy on the pitch night in, night out. That Simone Inzaghi has taken a 33-year-old who Manchester United could not wait to kick to the exit door and has started him 90 plus, you know, 90 minutes. Well, he hasn't played the full 90 minutes, but they have started him multiple times this month in a brutal series of matches over the 24-year-old who needs to be carrying this team. I don't know if he is that guy. I don't think he is that guy. Uh, maybe he proves us wrong, but by age 24, Mario Riccardi was a lot better than what Lautaro Martinez is. We don't like Mario Riccardi around here. I get that. But it was very obvious that there was a world-class talent in him. I think there was a lot of talent in Lautaro Martinez, but however it's being deployed, however he needs to be used, however imperfect the situation is, he can be better than what he's being right now. And if Inter do not win the league, it will in some ways, probably more than any other player, fall on this guy's shoulders. So I don't even have a structured, coherent thing for what I'm saying because I'm just so flabbergasted that it has gotten this bad. And I don't think that this is forever. I think Lautaro Martinez will improve. But if you're asking me in the here and now why I am frustrated and who I am frustrated out over the last week, it's that Lautaro Martinez wasn't even trusted to start. I mean, I guess maybe they're trusting, they were planning to rest him. But it wasn't like anybody thought of Lautaro Martinez started that this would have been different. It's not like when Lautaro Martinez came on, he made a huge impact. It's not like Lautaro Martinez in the last month plus has done that many things in front of goal to threaten opposing defenses. 
this has to stop and this has to get better because Inter are not built to survive anything else. So Moji of the Week is for whatever this player is because we know Lautaro Martinez can be better and he needs to be better before Inter run out of time. That's that's you explain you litigated it really well, but I have to ask you something. Yeah, how much of that is also management's fault for thinking that they could turn uh, this lemon into a a grapefruit? I mean, he is what he is. Lautaro Martinez is a seconda punta, and he's a world class seconda punta. The problem, in my opinion, is that they thought that he would be a filling prima a yeah. prima punta, yeah. a goal scorer, and he's not that guy. This is what I was so critical of last summer. There, this squad lacks a natural goal scorer. I guess he's not that terrible. guy because his goal average. I'm not defending the fact that he scores very patchy and all that. All that is true. Everything you said is true, but to expect him to be the 25, 30 goal guy, no, that that's on you. He's not that no, guy. It is. it is, and I'm. I mean, a lot of this is coming from a place of frustration. You know, I. I mean, you and I have tweeted about this before. We've had this conversation. I, you're you're right about everything you're saying. It is just frustrating that, like, I mean, look. Alexi Sanchez isn't a prima punta. Alexi Sanchez is a, is a secondary striker. Exactly. Alexi, who's made more plays that have been threatening? Who has done things to scare defenses more over the last two months? It's been the 33-year-old guy who's been kicked out of Manchester United. Yep, that's true. And so this is – I'm with you that, like, the plan never should have been to have Lautaro carry, you know, carry the front line. I don't know if this is really that much better if they buy Belotti over Joaquin Correa. I guess Joaquin Correa has been so bad that I suppose you could say it would be. But this team, either way, you know, we, I think we all knew that this Inter team was not going to be as talented as last year's and that it was fairly easy to see early on in the year. And I continue to have optimism that uh, barring some massive financial meltdown that doesn't seem to be imminent after Inter refinance their bonds – Next year's inter team will be better than this year's inter team, right? Like next year, whether it's Gamaka, whether it's some far fetched Lukaku reunion, whatever, there will be somebody better equipped to be a nine to take some of the load off of Jekyll because the 36 year old should not be playing as much as he is. But it doesn't change the fact that whatever you ask Latar to do right now, he's giving you work rate and he's not giving you much of anything else. No, he's not even, I mean, you know, I, I was having a conversation with Carl Anka, the, the really fantastic Manchester United beat writer of the athletic. And he was watching the Liverpool match. And there's that play that's gone viral where, you know, Lataro's running at Virgil and he just doesn't do anything with it. And he just takes yeah. too many touches. And, and everybody who doesn't watch Italian soccer, even Carl, who's a really knowledgeable guy is like, wow, he's that scared of Virgil. Those of us who watch this team know, no, that's Lataro now. That's what he does. He takes too many touches. He gets too cute. He's not taking players on and being decisive. I'm sure confidence has something to do with this because that's always been part of his game. Yeah. But gosh, it just, even I'm with you. He 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 was never going to be the 25 goal savior, but he can do a lot better than what he's doing right now, and that has to improve. That, that's that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Right? No, it absolutely has to, especially if if we're selling him in the summer, which I kind of think we are. Um, right? Let's um, let's move on to something much more comical. This week's frog, which we presented by Mr. Jake Smalley. Well, this week's been quite a difficult week to find something comedic with the uh, <laughs> obvious... What, the impending World War Three, well, nuclear there's, there's warfare that. that could happen. <laughs> yeah, that slight distraction on social media. Uh, I have been scratching around, and probably the funniest thing that I've seen, mainly because I'm really immature, and it kind of does link with uh, something that I, I quite like, Quite sad, but whenever I used to score goals when I used to play Sunday League football, I used to love doing ridiculous celebrations. So this this is perfect for me. So I, I was looking up 
some funny bits from the weekend. And Brazilian football, Luz Saldebreak, lived up to his, efficient, his affectionate nickname this weekend. He's playing in the second division in the Campeonato Paulista uh, in Brazil and cracked probably the best goal celebration I've seen in a long time. Uh, an awesome weird sort of break dancing booker t style as you will so if you're knocking around social media please do take a look at that that is absolutely outstanding uh, content but it has been a really difficult week to try and be positive and try and be humorous this week i'll be honest with the football on the show that we've had to talk about mm. and with obviously world war three almost happening <laughs> all, and us all dying of radiation poisoning <laughs> I mean, you know. After you know the, the post-apocalyptic world thing hanging over your shoulder kind of can ruin your mood. <laughs> yeah, it's just a wee bit. It's a little bit. Convenient. I mean, they, they must be thinking more about our pod than their, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, I, I just, I, I, you know, just as a side note, because I don't want to like turn into a political thing, but I do think of people who have kids, and kids are. I, I have friends who have who have kids, and they are very aware of what's going on, and they're scared. And that's got to suck, right? Because when we grew up, we didn't have this. There was the Cold War and you had the Soviet Union and Russia and, and the US and NATO and the Warsaw Pact. But it never got to this point. It never got this bad, uh, at least in my child. I'm born, born in 81. We had nine, September 11 and all that. That's fine. But we didn't have impending nuclear warfare, World War Three hanging over and and... And and this has been a week where th that has been discussed, and kids hear that, and I, I can't even imagine the the mental anguish it must be to have to you know to grow up with that, like to have those feelings as a child. I can't even imagine that. So yeah, it it is the things things are complicated. Life is life is complicated and difficult and whatever, and especially after the last two years where, with the pandemic and and everyone being exhausted mentally generally, this was not what anyone needed or wanted. Um, right, let's uh, move on to something much more positive. Uh, this week's Moratti, which I'll be presenting myself. He's, he works a lot, he's intelligent, and he surprises uh, people sometimes with his uh, ideas. Not easy to find one person of this uh, qualities. I've got um, two Morattis, or kind of, they, they both kind of, I've got two Morattis, or, or like a shared gold, you know, sh shared top spot. Marcelo Brozovic's contract extension is so important, and it's all been done. Amen. Yeah, and, and also Ivan Perisic looks like it's done. That is so, so important, because Perisic, in my opinion, has been the player of the season at Inter. Um, he's, been a, he's become a leader that he's never been. He's become a reference point, which he's never been at Inter before. And, you know, this is his last season. This is the last, you know, uh, this is the last few months of his current contract. Now contrast that with Frank Cassier, who looks to, who shall we say, does not, is not performing like that at Milan, or other players who, towards the end of their contract, did not exactly look like they wanted to stay where they were, or that they cared that much. Ivan Perisic has been completely different. And it looks like he's staying, and it looks like he wants to stay. And I think that's great news, that it creates continuity in the dressing room. And I think that if Inter end up winning the Serie A and also the Coppa Italia, that would be outstanding. Um, I think, you know, they, they, you know that, that kind of winning mentality is incredibly important as Inter start rejuvenating and moving forward into, into, in, into Suning 2.0 which will happen when Vidal and Vecino and Kolarov and all these other players leave and are replaced. 
Um, so, so I think those two news, those two pieces of news, um, are, are my favorite. And also, um, the fact that February is almost over, uh, <laughs> like Inter's annual winter depression lasts for exactly a month. And it started in, in the beginning of February with the Derby and February is almost over. Thank God. I'm not going to miss it. So let's let's do this let's do this bring on march and april and may it be sunnier and happier for everyone right that's all we had time for this well, not this week well it is this week because we've done two pods in one week um but we will be back next week and we will be recording next week on a saturday again because we play on a tuesday uh, and and um we want to get these out as soon as possible so that there's, you know, so you guys have a few, you know, so that you guys have like two, three days to listen to it before the, before the game. And, and the Derby is a massive game. And the Liverpool game is also a giant, is a big, big game. Even though if it were up to me and Jake and Mike, we'd probably send the kids, the 16-year-olds to play um, at Anfield. Um, but but luckily, three bucks. Let's go yeah. play ourselves. You know what? Yeah, why not? Why not? Man's okay. 11. Exactly. I'll, I'll get eleven people. That's fine. I'll, I'll just call. I'll just call. You know, bring in Mo, myself, Will, Alex, Dono, full we'll of your. Get the whole out there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We'll, we'll give the guys a break. We'll get embarrassed on national, <laughs> on international television for the sake <laughs> exactly. of the guys having a week off. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Uh, I'd like to thank you, Mike, for coming on. Uh, don't be a stranger. Hopefully not. You, do, you know. Hopefully, will be around a little more in the second half of the season. Hopefully, looking forward to it, Mister Jake Smalley. Thank you. I want to sign off actually by, uh, well, this I'm sure this will make you laugh. There's a there's a little boy that I teach. So in my day job, I'm a teacher, I'm an English teacher, and there's a little boy in my class, my year eight group. So he's twelve, really small lad, and he's from Italy himself, and he's a big Milan fan. Mm. And I've got a big bet on with him uh, <laughs> to the game. So I really hope he comes in on Wednesday, crying his eyes out. <laughs> I really, really do. So. <laughs> That's keeping me going this week. This is who we watch shape yeah. young minds right here. After what I said about children and their mental health, you <laughs> to bully a twelve year old. <laughs> Fantastic. Send your hate mail to Jack at Jake Smalley eight on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> right, thank you very much on that note. I'm your host, Nimatale Ruzzeri, wishing you a good week. Uh, first leg Coppa Italia win, three points, and sempre e solo Forza Inter. <laughs>